Kaylee, thank you so much for your time today. I am really looking forward to collaborating with you. You guys, if you haven't seen Kaylee's reels on Instagram, you have to give her a follow there. Kaylee, what's your Instagram handle? It is Fidelity Kaylee, and I bring uh, some edutainment to one of the driest topics in real estate. <laughs> And I couldn't support that statement. Um, and okay, so Kaylee, first, tell us a little bit about what you do, how you got there, and what you enjoy about your job. Is are the reels the most enjoyable part of your job? Is that why you do so? Just to tell us everything. <laughs> oh, geez. Okay. Well, you might have to cut me off because I love to talk about myself. And I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so I got into this. <laughs> I got into this industry in 2017. Um, I started working for a mortgage, mortgage broker actually, and then, um, got my real estate license and was going to sell real estate when I got approached by a, um, boutique title company who had seen, um, what I can do to grow market share for people. And they wanted me to do the same. And I'm like, Hey, I know nothing about title and escrow as most people don't. <laughs> and I'm like, sounds great. Let's do it. Um, and I love it. And I've been here ever since. And when people ask me what I do, um, my first response is I'm in the business of growing business for my company and for the partners that I work with. Um, and also I am in the business of teaching and educating people. Um, a lot of even professionals in our industry don't really understand title and escrow. So we can, you know, reasonably assume that most people outside of the industry have no clue of what title and escrow is or why it's important. Um, so educating those people and, um, bringing some light and entertainment to, a, you know, to the historically very boring and unknown subject. Mm -hmm. Um, that is the most fun part of my job. I love it. Um, and I have a background in acting. I grew up in theater. I lived in Los Angeles for a couple of years, um, doing mostly TV work. And so creating is also, um, one of my favorite things to do. And so that's really what, what I bring to the fidelity page. Um, just you know, bringing most common questions about title and escrow and turning it into something that is fun and engaging for people to watch and, and that they can take something away with. So, um, yeah, that's, that's a little bit about me. Yeah. that's amazing. And I, now I have to dig deeper, dig deeper. <laughs> my brain is going faster than my Did mouth. Did you do your warm-ups? Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> no, I was a band geek. So I was just, you know, buzzing my lips, playing the trombone, the flute. <laughs> oh, trombone. <laughs> yeah. I know lots of instruments, but I didn't ever get into the drummer or the the acting stage. I should have. Um, but you said that you knew nothing about escrow and title, but you're like, what the heck, let's do it. And I love that, like kind of leap of faith, trying something new. And now it's something that you're just, you know, you've, I don't want to say exploded, but kind of like you're, you're really loving what you do because you took that leap. So can you tell me just a little bit how you felt when you were considering doing this, why you decided to go for it and like reap those benefits? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think the prospect of something unknown is always scary at first. And I think when fear is a part of the equation, um, indecision tends to be as well, but I've always been the kind of person that just jumps right in. And I feel like whenever I get that feeling of nervousness or fear of the unknown, it means that I'm on the precipice of something really exciting. Um, so for me personally, that's always been, you know, my biggest flag of, Hey, there is a new adventure waiting and you just got to jump in. Um, and I think that that is something that, you know, every person in this world can relate to in one way or another. Yeah. Um, but it was a lot, you know, every day I've been in this industry, uh, four years now, and even people who I work with that have been here for 30 years, learn something new every single day because, mm -hmm. you know, no, no transaction is the same. So it's fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love that. I love, I, I like, I love talking to people that are like entrepreneurs or they go and they take that risk and they try something new because I want to uncover like, hey, this fear, this apprehension is a natural thing that everyone has to overcome. Like people just aren't 
It's not like they were 100% confident and went out and accomplished those things. And so I like to hear that from everyone and share it so that people that are thinking about starting something or chasing their dreams or trying something different realize that it's it's a normal feeling to have and it doesn't mean that they shouldn't go for it. So and you're um, not alone in that feeling. Every yeah. every person who's achieved greatness ha- you know, feels that every single day, even when they're at the top of the game. So mm-hmm. you're not alone, people. <laughs> I love that. Okay, so now tell us about this hurdle that you have and that we have to kind of navigate around the um, SB133. Like, what is that? Why is it so annoying? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's annoying, but it's also kind of a blessing in disguise. So SB133 um, was passed shortly after 2008 when a lot of things were um, being reevaluated in our industry. And escrow is a neutral third party, which means that we are not supposed to take sides in any one way. And previously, before SB133, um, there were a lot of favors that we did for people, which um, could be seen as you know persuasive. Um, it could be seen as less of a neutral position. And so um, ultimately, the Department of Insurance, who is who regulates um, the title and escrow world, came in and said, we need to put measures in place to make sure that you guys are completely a neutral third party. Um, and so it is a little bit annoying in the sense of um, there's areas sometimes that I feel like we can help people that is relevant, but but I also see their point. So what I get out of it now, the the you know silver lining there is that when people choose to work with our company, it's because they really see value in what we offer, um, both in you know as a partnership for our realtor and lender partners, but also for those homeowners and prospective homeowners. Um, that need to work with a reliable, um, reputable company, they they work with us because we are that value and not because, you know, we're doing favors for them. And so they feel like yeah. they need to pay it. So in that sense, I'm actually kind of glad that we have it. No bribery? I don't understand. Yeah, no bribery here. <laughs> uh, okay, awesome. So like we're going to cover what we can um, with these escrow questions coming up here with being respectful to that SB133 limitation. Um, so the, the first one, I wanted to just touch base on like the 1031 exchange. Um, what is the best advice to have a smooth escrow when a homeowner is planning to do a 1031 exchange? I know sometimes they wait until the very end and then they're like, oh yeah, I'm doing a 1031 exchange. And it kind of like throws a, a, a rock <laughs> in the road or something. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, so for those who don't know, a 1031 exchange is a process of, um, selling a home and deferring your capital gains. Um, tax by reinvesting that into other real estate or real property. Um, and so the best thing you can do to ensure a smooth escrow process is just tell us upfront that this is a 1031 exchange so that our company can communicate with the 1031 exchange company and make sure that everybody has all the information that we need um, to make the process smooth and so that there's no scrambling at the end of it. Um, so just tell us upfront and then that's pretty much it. The Our company will, will communicate and coordinate with the 1031 exchange company and it's actually pretty easy as far as the realtor and lender's job goes. Cool. And so I guess the issue with telling you at the very end is maybe the 1031 exchange company isn't going to move fast enough for you to close escrow on time. Yeah. Last second notice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And we actually have a checklist, um, a pre-escrow checklist that asks a slew of questions like, is this a 1031 exchange or is this property held in the trust or is there a power of attorney being used? And this is all information that we ask because sometimes it requires um, a little bit more time and we don't want to hold up a transaction. So we always like to ask these up front. And if anybody ever wants a copy of that checklist, um, I'm happy to pass it out to whoever might use it and find oh, it yeah. official. You should send us links and we can just include them in the in the caption. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love it. Technology wins again. <laughs> um, okay. And so 
another one that I've run into before is solar. I know that it can be a huge headache when you're buying or selling. There's all sorts of different ways that people finance the solar. Um, what are some ways that people can help keep the transaction moving smoothly when they have solar on their home and they're, they're selling? Solar is tough. Um, and one of the biggest challenges is that there's no um, uniform requirements on how a, a solar company is um, supposed to record this solar lien. And oftentimes it's passed off to the homeowners as a lease. And so they don't fully understand that when they're getting solar, this is now a lien that is attached to your physical property and just kind of like property taxes, right? Mm -hmm. um, so when you go to sell your property, you have to pay off the remaining amount unless you happen to have a solar agreement that is assumable by the buyer. Um, and then of course the buyer also needs to qualify for that in addition to the regular financing for the property. Um, so it's challenging for both the sellers and it's challenging for the buyers and it's challenging for us too because every solar company works differently. Um, so the most important thing you can do is ask if the property has solar um, and then ask to see what documents they signed when they got the solar on the property because those will lay out you know, how long the lease agreement was for. It will help us understand um, you know, whether this is something that we can transfer or has to be paid off. But also anytime escrow is open, we get the preliminary title report. We will see that on the, the title report and be able to reach out to the company as well and, and get that information um, for all the payoff information on behalf mm -hmm. of the seller as well. Sometimes they're really slow to even get you that payoff information and it can be kind yeah. of a shock. Um, prepayment penalties and all that good stuff that they'll sneak in there and the sellers now have this extra bill to to pick up out of their equity in the home. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So I'm skipping questions three and four. <laughs> because that's <to> be 133. <laughs> um, what are some possible hur hurdles that we need to overcome if someone is selling a property that is held in a trust? Ooh, okay. That's a, I love this question and there's, we could go deep, but I'm going to try and keep this as simplified as possible. Um, so this, we always, first of all, we recommend pre-opening escrow for these very reasons, right? So when we get the preliminary title report back, that tells us all of the conditions that we need to satisfy in order to pass the property over to the new buyer, the new owner, um, and ensure the property too. So, you know, we are a title and an escrow company. So the escrow is the neutral third party that handles it. And then we also are an insurance company, right? So we have to satisfy certain conditions to make sure that we can insure the property. And when it comes to trust, um, we require sometimes certain documents. You know, if the person who created the trust is no longer alive, um, you know, we need certain requirement, you know, we need certain documents like a, a death certificate and we will need to see the whole trust documents. Um, if the person is still alive though, sometimes we just need a um, trust certificate. Or if there's a power of attorney being used in the trust, we will also need to see some additional documentation depending on why there is a power of attorney being used. So it's it's better off to get all of this information upfront, um, preferably before we ever go into contract. Mm -hmm. um, and that way there's no delays, there's no holdups um, because sometimes those can get messy, especially if there's you know lots of people who are on the trust that need to sign off. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. So knowing it's in a trust, um, just telling us up front, if you don't know, we will know as soon as we get the preliminary title report. And then um, we usually have pretty open and frank conversations that set the expectation of like, okay, if this is going to be the case, then, you know, these are the requirements that we'll need to meet. Um, so just let us know as soon as possible or pre-open your escrow and we can get that handled. And is what is pre-opening escrow? Is it easy? 
That's a great question. Always. I that question. Um, so reopening escrow is as soon as you get a listing agreement, um, you can send that over to any of our title escrow officer or escrow officers with Fidelity National Title and just say, I need to reopen escrow. And we will um, send that over to title so that they can do their stuff and start generating the, the preliminary title report to see what is on <laughs> what's on the property. Sometimes it's nothing. Sometimes it's a lot. <laughs> oh, so you're saying it's super easy and everyone should just do it any any time regardless of if there's a trust or not like just to, just to keep things smooth down the road <laughs> exactly now i will say though that some areas um it's not standard practice that they pre-open escrow and um it's also different you know we're in northern california where title and escrow are one entity in the same company but you go down to southern california and they are separate companies um so the practice you know the standard practice might be different on there and it also might be different in areas where maybe the buyer directs the escrow. So listing agents might not be in a position to pre-open because it's the buyer's direction. Um, mm -hmm. But luckily where we live in our area, um, greater Sacramento Valley, pre-open your escrows. <laughs> That'd be interesting to learn like how other states do it too. Like if they're typically the same company or not, like I don't know the answer to that right now. Um, but... There's actually some states who are um, like attorney directed where when you're buying and selling real estate, it's actually the attorneys who open an escrow and deal with the transaction so yeah it does differ from state to state and it's, mm -hmm. it can get very confusing so to keep it simple in our area pre-open okay. escrow <laughs> sounds good um, well what if someone is planning on purchasing a property and then putting that property into a trust are there any extra steps um, that they should do to keep the process moving smoothly yeah i mean if they want to do it before escrow closes then they would need to just contact any type of real estate attorney um, who can help them create a trust mm -hmm. and there's no amount of time. I mean, you can, you can put your property in a trust at any point in time. So whether it's before you close escrow or after you close escrow, um, there are additional fees that go along with that. As an escrow company, we do not create trusts. So you do have to work with an attorney to get that created. Um, mm -hmm. and of course pay whatever their standard fees are. Um, and typically those attorneys, if you do it outside of escrow, will help you get that recorded with the county as well so that the ownership does show that it's held in the trust. Okay, cool. Good to know. And I want to ask you also about um, prelims and, you know, working with several different title companies that the sellers select, you know, I've seen interesting different prelims come across my desk. Um, what are some key items that we should look out for in a prelim? And like who should be reviewing this? Because I've seen people that just pass it along and it's like, they don't even read it. I'm like, well, should they be reading it? Like, <laughs> do they know what to look out for? And like, I'm reading it. I'm like, I don't know what I'm looking out for, but I'm just looking at it. So like, what is, what is your prelim advice? <laughs> oh man, I have so much advice. Um, in my personal opinion, everyone should look at the prelim. Um, I think that one of the reasons that most people don't is because they don't know what they're looking at or what they're looking for. Um, and if you are one of those people, we host classes all the time. Most of them are um, hosted by a very experienced escrow officer that goes through the prelim um, page by page to kind of break it down for you so that you understand what you're looking at. Um, but I think it's really important to, to have a general understanding of what's on it. Um, the first and most important thing is make sure that the property information, the ownership information, your information as the lender or as the um, real estate agent is correct. You know, you yeah. want to make sure that the property is in fact the one you're dealing with and the owner is in fact the person that you're communicating with um, and make sure all of that information is correct on the first page. Um, and then the first part of a preliminary title report will be what we call the exceptions. These are um, things like um, any type of 
easements, um, CCRs, HOA, property taxes. These are things that are always going to stick with the property no matter who owns it. Um, and so that'll be the first half of the, of the preliminary title report. And then we get into the conditions that um, we need to clear off and kind of just um, tie up those loose ends for the new owner to, to take possession and um, not have to worry about any debt or anything that was there from the previous owner. So this could be anything as simple as a mortgage, um, but it's also you know, IRS tax liens, personal judgments, um, like spousal support or child support, um, mechanics liens, like these are all things that could be on a property that we have to pay off before mm -hmm. the new um, homeowner can take possession of the property. Nice. And okay, so you said that you guys do classes <laughs> yeah, on how to read pre prelims. So if someone that is, like me is very interested in that joining you for one of those classes, how do we find out about that? Should we just email you and you'll yeah. give us a heads up or yeah, email me, email anyone on my team. Um, most of the time we do these trainings kind of as a group where we'll have people from multiple counties and different areas on the virtual training as well. And that way we can we can reach more people. Um, and give education to people no matter where you were at. And thank goodness for that, because previously there would be so many people who wouldn't attend because they were out of the area and this was yeah. an in-person class. And then they missed out on all of this valuable information. Um, and it, it just always, the more you know, the more you can can be a better resource, not only for yourself and making good decisions, but also for any clients that you're helping too. So um, yeah, reach out to me, reach out to any one of your favorite Fidelity Tile reps, and we will let you know when the next few dates are for these trainings. Can you spell out your email for us? And I'll include it in the in the caption as well. But yeah, um, for, for people yeah so you can even see, I think this might show too. My name is down here, Kaylee Cornell. It's mm -hmm. uh, my first name, period. My last name at FNF, like Frank, Nancy, Frank, FNF.com. So that's it. Um, and you can also Google me, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, <laughs> I think and I'm all a, over. Uh, she spells her name K-A-E-L-E-E. -E -E. That's... um. Yeah, I almost got that wrong. I had to double it's check. It's old Gaelic. It means celebration. Oh, wonderful. Last time does your per personality very well. So. <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> I know. When okay. I'm at Starbucks and they're like, how do you spell your name? I'm like, just spell it however you can pronounce it. Like, huh. I'm, I can't, if I spent time spelling out my name to every person who asked, I think I would have wasted months of my life. <laughs> oh, yeah. I would just tell them my name is Batman and then have them draw the Batman symbol. And like, that's, <laughs> that, that is literally a thing that I do. And I just am. Like I've gotten the Siegel M shape before. I've, like I have, I have a whole story like saved of all my different Batman's that I've collected over time. <laughs> and sometimes I'll, I'll be like, it's, yeah, I'll be like, it's Batman, and they're like, Batman. They're like, can you spell that for me? I'm like, it's like Batman the superhero. They're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Bat Batman. Amanda. That is the biggest travesty of this whole conversation. Well, hurts my heart a little bit. Yeah, people say I have an accent, so I just don't know if it's me. Like sometimes I'll say, <laughs> I'll say like Miapkin. You know, I'm like, I, okay. why am I saying Miapkin? And I think I say Batman like that sometimes too. So it just <laughs> depends. <laughs> that poor brief. We're so. still going to say shame on them. You know, anybody who has at least an idea of Batman, they'd probably be like, oh yeah, Batman. Yeah. They're not expecting to hear a superhero name at the cash <laughs> registers. <laughs> um, Keep them all right. So let's touch on this, this one again. I know you, you talked about, oh, in NorCal, like title and escrow companies were kind of both combined, but <laughs> are title and escrow the same thing? And, and uh, why is this an important thing to consider when you're selecting a title company? Oh, I love that question. Okay. So first part of that question is um, title and escrow are two separate entities working in collaboration. So um, in Northern California, like I mentioned, we're the same company, but still separate entities. So they're separate things. 
escrow is like the referee, the neutral third party, who's just kind of overseeing the transaction. We receive the purchase contract and we just make sure that both sides do what they said they wanted to do in the agreement that they signed. Um, and then we collect, you know, all the payoffs, we collect all the monies, and then we make sure everybody gets paid at the end of the transaction. Um, the title side is the insurance side of things. So they're the ones who are looking into the physical property. They run the title report and generate that. Um, they tell us what conditions need to be met in order to insure the property for the new buyer. And I think that that's where um, people get a little frustrated sometimes because um, I don't think that people always recognize that title is an insurance company. It's an insurance process. And so sometimes there's things that we ask um, and, it, and purchasing a home is already such an emotional, you know, it's a high anxiety, high stress, emotional process. And sometimes it can feel like we're asking for things that don't, you know, you may not understand why we need it. Mm -hmm. um, so my, my word of advice to everyone is um, just like when you're working with a lender, you know, know that sometimes things come up that escrow doesn't necessarily anticipate, but title will ask us for it because they are trying to satisfy all their conditions and do their due diligence to make sure that this property is fully insured. And on that note, so for part two, um, it's important to remember this when you're choosing your title and escrow company, because if, if the case ever comes up that you do need to make a title claim, you want to make sure that you're working with a company that has the full insurance and support to be able to fulfill that title claim, right? So there's a lot of smaller, newer title companies um, that might be like privately insured, whereas Fidelity is a Fortune 200 company. We are nationwide. One in every three purchase transactions um, is insured through Fidelity National Title or one of our subsidiary um, businesses. And so I think there's a lot of comfort in working with a company like Fidelity where you know that if something ever comes up, um, we're going to take care of it and we're going to take care of you. Mm -hmm. That is good to know. That is a lot of information as well. So, <laughs> I know, I know. I'm like, I'm trying to keep this short winded, but there's so many layers to it. Yeah. And I've talked to realtors before. I'm like, oh, you know, escrow asked for this. And they're like, well, I already sent that to title. Like, wait, are those the same thing? I was like, I don't know. I kind <laughs> of, like, I just interchanged the words for whatever I feel like saying at the time. I think they're kind of the same. But... Yeah. And most of the time in our area, especially where title and escrow are the same company, hmm. um, the parties of the transaction, so the lender, the real estate agent, even the buyer and the seller, their point of contact, they're communicating with escrow. And our escrow teams are the ones who are communicating with title. So the transaction, the parties of the transaction rarely have direct communication with the title officers. Got it. So sometimes it feels like escrow is asking for unnecessary things, but it's actually the title side who is saying, <laughs> hey, we need these things. And now escrow has to be the messenger. And, you know, oftentimes we get the unfortunate, you know, killing the messenger, get angry at the messenger. Yeah. Um, so just understand that when we ask for things, especially when, you know, it's like 19th hour, we're getting close to closing. It's because something came up um, or title saw something that they wanted more on. And so we, you know, just know that we're all on the same team. And our goal is to get this transaction closed as ethically um, as possible with as much as integrity as possible. And um, to make sure that you are you know, the buyer and seller as protected as they can be. Yeah. I kind of feel the same way sometimes we're all ask people, I'm like, oh, you know, I just need your 2019 W-2. And then I'm like, okay, but now I need your 2019 taxes. And then, yeah. those, and then I'm like, okay, but now uh, I need your December year-end pay stub for 2019. And I need yeah. to take that out. But I'm like, there's reasons why the other two things you provided don't work. Right, <laughs> and, right. And I feel like, so I feel 
rude, like asking for them to dig for that. I'm like, but you gotta just, you gotta, I think it's just setting the proper expectations of like, until this is done and recorded, more things might come up. Like, so, you know, when we first open an escrow, obviously we run the preliminary title report. And I think something that a lot of people don't understand is, you know, when, when everybody is signed and we're getting ready to release to record, um, our title officers run another, it's like, we call it a date down, but it's kind of like an updated preliminary title report. And they're just making sure, double checking that nothing has been recorded in between the time they first ran it to uh-huh. the they're about to release. So there have been instances where, you know, um, like a child support was recorded in the middle of the transaction, but we didn't know about it because it wasn't on the original title report. And right before we released to record, we're doing our due diligence and that comes up. And so we say, Hey, Hey, hold on guys. We need to, we need to get this taken care of. And then I think, you know, because everybody is all high emotion, high stress, it freaks everybody out. And they're like, why was this missed or whatever? Yeah. Um, but the case is, is that we're just doing our due diligence and this is a normal process. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're doing it to protect both parties. So, um, just have patience and be ready to help us by providing us all the information we need when we ask so that we can, you know, get over these hurdles as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Well, um, speaking about protecting both parties, I'm going to bring up the no, no word. It's wire fraud. Oh, how, like, I just feel like it's becoming more and more prevalent. People are getting sneakier and sneakier. And like, I'm seeing people close to home becoming victims of wire fraud. Like, yeah. how do we, how can a buyer protect themselves? Or like, what are, what are the steps that they should take so that they don't become a victim of these super sneaky cyber hackers yeah. trying to take their money? Um, wire fraud is, it's so heartbreaking um, because it's, it's one of those crimes that once it happens, um, it's almost always unsolvable. Um, So one of the things that we do to help protect everybody in the transaction is to make sure that when we're giving out wiring instructions, um, those go to, you know, they, they pass through as as little hands as possible. So I think, you know, previously there was a time when like the real estate agents would also get the the wiring instructions and they could hand it to their clients. Whereas now um, we only send wiring instructions directly to the buyer and to the seller. And part of those instructions is to call your escrow officer directly um, and verify those wiring instructions before you ever wire any money. Like when you're at the bank, call your escrow officer and make sure that those, you know, the account numbers and everything is exactly how it should be. Um, And we've also created a program um, or we've adapted a program. It's called Start Safe and it's a digital opening package um, that you can work directly with Um, And it's got all of these, you know, multi-authentication steps um, to protect the buyer. And they can use that to wire money. Um, They can even do kind of like a mobile deposit where they're taking a picture of a personal check for their, um, or at least their EMD. We can't do that for any cash to close. Um, But it gets us the money safely. And what's really, really incredible about this program in particular is that we have done over 2 million transactions with this program and we have not had a single case of wire fraud with it. Um, so I think that it's an incredible response and, and it goes much more beyond just the, you know, the money transactional part of it. Um, but there's portals for real estate agents and for lenders too, for them to be able to kind of view their files and view those secure documents. Um, and so we are definitely taking every step possible to protect people from wire fraud. And the best thing they can do is be vigilant, 
um, follow the instructions that we give them, and when possible, use our Start Safe opening package because that is um, so far the most secure process that we've been able to create to protect people. Yeah, and um, when you send the instructions, it's through like a secure email, correct? Yes. Yes. And I get a lot of buyers that are confused. They're like, this looks fishy. It's a secure email. Like, do I trust this person? And Mm -hmm. so um, you want to use the secure email links and view them, but also on top of that, still call the escrow officer because who knows what hackers are doing these days and if they're mimicking a secure email. And and, uh, at least on our company, I can speak that our escrow officers will reach out to the buyers by phone. They will call them directly before these packages are ever sent out. Um, So if you receive a package or a link or anything like that before you've talked to an escrow officer, that's fishy. Um, But normally you'll get a call from an escrow officer saying, hey, I'm going to send this out to you. It's going to look like this. This is what you're going to do. And then, you know, moments after that phone call, they'll get the link. Um, So there's very little room for confusion. Um, And then, of course, you know, if you are one of those people that for whatever reason doesn't have access or is still uncomfortable um, doing it digitally, we have, you know, the traditional forms where we will send you um, it'll still be a secure, encrypted, password-protected email that you have to open, but that will at least allow you to enter a password and get the documents that you can print out um, mm-hmm. and take to the bank physically. And then, of course, you know, still absolutely call us before you wire any money um, every single time. That's just safe wire fraud. Always call us before you wire. Yeah. Call. Yeah. Wire follow your instructions. Yes. <laughs> follow the instructions. <laughs> And then, okay, so I, let's go ahead and start wrapping this up. I want to be respectful of your time and thank you again so much for- Thank you for asking me to be on here, you know? It's like, I love uh, to talk about it. It's a boring topic, but hopefully hopefully people take something from it. I think we kept it fun. We threw in some jokes in there. I can't remember what they were, but you know, we're Batman, having, yeah, like, yeah, we're having <laughs> a great time. Everyone else should be having a great time. Um, <laughs> so what is one thing, and I think I know the answer to this, but what is one thing in closing that every agent can do to drastically improve the title and escrow process? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, if you have to pick three things, you can pick three. <laughs> I'm like, how do I narrow it down to one? Um, okay. The one thing, honestly, that I would say you can do, I'll I'll pick two things. The first thing is um, give us as much information upfront as we can. Um, You know, if your client is not going to be located in the area when they sign, if there's, you know, a trust involved or a power of attorney involved, or, you know, if there's anything unique, interesting, um, or even if you don't find it unique or interesting, just tell us everything that you can so that we're prepared. Um, and that we can do everything on our end to make sure there's no hurdles at the end. Um, you know, when we open a transaction, we always sell, send out information, not just to the buyer for their EMD, but to the seller too, to fill out so that we can get, you know, contact companies on their behalf and get payoff information. So the faster your sellers can fill that out and give it back to us, the faster we can get the ball rolling. So just get us all of the upfront information that you can, mm-hmm. number one. And then number two is... Um, is just remember that we're all on the same team and we're all human and we're all doing everything we can to make sure that this transaction closes. Um, and, and we love when people are solution oriented. Um, and, you know, we always try to be the same as well. So when, when challenges do come up, um, let's not stay and get fixated on what the problem is and try to, you know, find the blame and whose problem it is, but let's figure out what the solution is. How do we overcome this? Because at the end of every transaction, is a very anxious and emotional home seller and home buyer. And I think that um, it's it's kind of become a standard practice that when there's an issue, um, 
we default to the blame and whose fault yeah. it is and the problem rather than, hey, we're all on the same team. And there's two people who are very anxious and very emotional and who are depending on us to overcome this problem as a team and to create a good experience. Mm -hmm. um, so just remember that we're all on the same team. We all have the same goal. So let's work together in a positive way um, to provide good experiences for people in one of the most stressful times of their life. <laughs> yeah, a little respect and communication and understanding I feel goes a long way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I just have to throw this story in there. Yay, I love stories. I had a house painting company. A painting and company? Like a house painting company. Okay. <laughs> and the craziest stuff would happen. You think, oh, it's just painting houses. Like I had a painter fall off the roof. We over oversprayed someone's Porsche, like broken roof tiles, like all the crazy stuff. But it was so strange because as I'd watch like other branch managers and me go through that experience and get that experience, like you'd hear like, oh, this painter like somehow passed the background check and he broke into this person's house and stole all her husky puppies. And instead of like, you would hear this crazy stuff come out of people's mouths, right? And then I would have like no emotional reaction. I'd be like, okay, so we got to one, two, and three. Like, here's the answer. Instead of like freaking out or being upset or whatever. And I'm like, well, that's so strange how we developed this no emotional reaction to terrible news and immediately <laughs> go to here's the different ways that we could go about right. fixing it. Um, and so I, I just think it's so funny. And like, you'd have to coach homeowners sometimes like, hey, you know, this happened. And, you know, rightfully so, the homeowner is like very, very upset. Like, okay, we got overspray on your Porsche. Like, they're pissed, but it's like, it's right. happened now. And like, yelling and screaming, well, we're going to fix it. it better. I'm like, we have these options to correct that for you. Mm -hmm. Like, which route, like, take a deep breath, which route do you want us to go? Because we're going to fix it. Um, but it just reminded me of that trauma. Um, I guess <laughs> <laughs> that's great practice, though. I mean, we work in our industry has so much emotion and it's really hard and it requires a lot of emotional intelligence from the professionals in our industry to manage their clients' emotions and also their own emotions when everything is running so high and so fast um, and we're all only human, right? You yeah. know, we can't expect everybody to be this perfect professional, especially when we're involved in an industry that has such high stress and such high emotion and anxiety. So, um, you know, just work with us and we want to work with you and let's make this the best possible experience for work for your clients. So, yeah, exactly. Well, in a closing, Kaylee, can you, um, just reiterate a few of the ways that people can find you or people can reach out to you? Yeah. Okay. I love that. Thank you again for having me. This has been really fun. Um, yeah, thank you. I love doing this. People, not surprisingly, not too many people want to talk about escrow, so I don't get the opportunity to do this very often. Yeah. Um, so you can reach me at my email. Again, that's K-A-E-L-E-E -E -E, period Cornell, like the university, C-O-R-N-E-L-L -L, at F-N-F.com. Um, you can also call me. My phone number is 916-862-1719. I serve all of the greater Sacramento Valley. Um, but even if you aren't in this area, I have great referral partners. Again, we're a nationwide company. Um, so call me with your questions, call me with your concerns and um, call me with your escrows. Let's do business. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you, Kaylee. Thank you so much. This has been amazing.